You're listening to the My Victory Podcast. Well, Sam, thank you so much for taking the time to join us in this series. We are now in part four of Songs of Summer, and we're on the song Soft, Sweet, Still, and you had an integrate part of making this song and come to life. So I'm just going to fire a couple of questions at you, if that's okay. And I want to kind of dig out the roots of where this song came from and uh, kind of give our, our uh, you know, our listeners an idea of like, man, what was the background? What was this guy thinking when writing this? So if that's okay with you, I'm just going to fire away. Absolutely. Let's do it. Sweet. So number one, uh, looking back on this year and a half, it affected everybody completely differently. And um, nobody got out of this uh you know, differently than when they came in. So I'm just going to ask you, what was your personal take on this last year and how did that affect your writing process in this season? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the last last year and a half, whatever, however long it's been is, uh, especially at the start for, for an introvert like me, honestly, like didn't seem that uh, awful to begin with. Um, and then, yeah, like you say, it, it definitely, it, it wears and has an effect, right? I really think that's the, the one that rings truest for me to just kind of war on everybody and there was just there was just a few specific moments in some ways it was it was one of the best years of my life and just in life changes and obviously yeah. with our two-month-old now like in, in some ways it's awesome and, and I'll never forget that and then just in other moments it was like equally equally one of the worst and some of the worst experiences I've had so it's it's uh it's a year that will definitely be remembered that for that's for sure there's a lot of life change that went into that went into songs like this yeah and i remember i remember going through that writing process with you and we're going to get to the video at the end of uh, this segment at the end of the message today but i remember going through this process with you and it was a very intimate moment where you were going over and over this song and i, I just watched you hardly not hardly i watched you intentionally working this song as if your heart was like completely laid out on the table so like the song starts and goes through a progression that starts with interpersonal questions about God's presence in your life. And it kind of resolves with an understanding of his care for you. So while writing this lyrics, was there any personal experiences that you took from uh, being questionable to confident, like that journey that, that you took in that song? Yeah. Um, yes, is the short answer. So let's go dig into the longer answer. <laughs> um, ha. Yeah. So this year, I, uh, I guess it was last year. Now it's been, it's been, you know, almost exactly a year. I think um, I had a, a couple friends who uh, I love dearly uh, lost their, uh, I want to say three month old. Um, wow. And that was, I mean, that was an experience that was just aggravated by COVID, right? Going to a, going to a funeral and watching a couple carry an urn around and you can't hug them. Right. Like that was, yeah, that was again, life-changing in that moment. Right. And, and just with a, a lot of, a lot of his uh, backstory, which, I mean, it's, it's not necessarily my total story to tell, but there's just a lot of, a lot of baggage um, when it, I talk to God about that whole experience. Um, and so for me, it, the, exactly that progression of, inner questioning and kind of throwing things upward and just seeing what sticks to walking into confidence really was my journey of like last, last summer. Um, and, uh, and it was, it was in this room, actually, you can see that that staircase right there. I, uh, it was about uh, two or three o'clock in the morning and I just came and I sat there and I, 
And I just bawled. I looked straight up a couple of times and basically just asked why. I don't, I don't really remember. I was, I was kind of just emotional and a wreck. And, uh, and it was a moment that I'll never forget. Cause it was, it was like in that moment of me genuinely just asking why and allowing and not coming with all of my church kid stuff of here's who I know God to be. Here's what, whatever, like coming with just that questioning of, I don't understand why yeah. I don't understand you right now. Um, it was like in that moment, I felt, I felt God in a, in a, in a fatherly way that I had never experienced before, man, I thought I talked about this enough. I, in a way that I'd never experienced before. And, and, and it was like, he told me that I can take it. It was like, he told me that I didn't have to protect him from how I felt hmm. that he was a strong enough father for me to ask and throw things at him. And it wouldn't like shake him. I didn't have to be his defense. He is strong enough to know who he is. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, it seems, it seems so weird to say that out loud. It seems so obvious. Well, duh, he's God. You don't have to, what do you think you're doing defending him? But it was this mental thing of this, this picture I have of God. I have an experience that's shaking it that and 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 it's like my my inner dialogue was to try and not let it shake right and yeah. he said no come let it shake and see what you know about me wow see who i am again and so that really is the ending of like oh yeah the things i know about god the facts i believe about god the the history of who he is both throughout history and just in my life doesn't shake even when I'm questioning. So I don't have to be scared to question because it doesn't change who he is. That's, that's where I land at the end of this song and where I felt like we kind of came to in that, like you say, that intimate moment together of just kind of bashing this song around. Um, yeah, sorry. That was a little long winded, but yeah, I love it. Okay. Final question. And just, uh, you know, as hard hitting as it is, what were you hoping for the listeners of Soft Sweet Still? So while you're writing out lyrically, melodically, um, like what were you hoping that listeners would walk away with after listening to the song? Um, I, I really think, again, going back to your initial analysis of the song, I really think it's it's a little bit twofold. But the the biggest one for me was that that God can God can take what you throw at Him. Hmm. Um, that yeah. There is nothing so big that you can throw his way of how you're feeling or what you're dealing with or whatever. There is nothing so big that he hasn't seen it before. Yeah. It's not even just that he's like big enough for it. There's like, there's nothing new to throw at him. Yeah. He, he carried, he picked up and carried all that stuff. You know what I mean? And, and so that's the biggest one is like, God, you don't have to, you don't have to be scared to throw things at God. I think sometimes that, that kind of kicks in as like, we're also scared to, to get it answered. We're also scared to get it resolved. And so for me, that was that same kind of thing of, yeah, don't let fear creep in. You don't have to protect God and he will be there for when he answers. If his answer feels too big for you, he's also not too big for your answer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was the biggest one. And then, and then, yeah, just lean into, lean into who God is when, when you feel like you're, 
you're drowning or like you're just desperately trying to tread and keep your head above water, lean into who he is. Because you, I promise, will find those moments where he has been that. Even if at the time you didn't know, even if it seems like there's none right now, like he is, he is the same. And so his character will always be apparent, even when it feels like it's not. So yeah, those are the so two. Good. So good, man. Well, I thank you so much for being vulnerable with this song. I thank you for bringing the personal experience and laying the foundation within this song so that everybody who hears it can relate to it in that sense of what we just talked about. So thank you so much, Sam. And I hope this song ministers to, uh, to the people that experience kind of what you went through in that season as well. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Welcome to the weekend here. We're glad you guys are joining us in person. Make some noise, 1115. I heard you were the rowdy service. 9.30 was a little bit noisy, but I'm like, you guys have had some enough time to get your coffee in you and those caramel mac mac macchiatos going and all those things. I want to say hi to Dorothy, Rachel. Thanks so much for joining us online. Wasn't that baptism cool with Michelle and the online campus guys? Like, this is on vacation. What do you think about on vacation? She's on vacation. She's getting baptized. I don't know. It's so cool. I want to say hi to all of our campuses out there, Tabor Campus, man, Lloyd Minster Campus, Claire's Home Campus, Okotoks Campus, all of us joining in today, and we are having church. Isn't it good to have church again? Yeah, okay. Wow. I talk about coffee, you guys are like, woo, good to have church again. It's like, well, it's because the chairs are closer, isn't it? Yeah. No, I'm joking. So glad you guys are joining us today. That interview was myself and Sam from our Lloydminster campus. Him and his wife, they're a pivotal couple in that campus. They run the music ministry up there. And he was the initiator and writer of Soft, Sweet, Still, the song that we'll be talking about and releasing today. I wanted to bring that interview as part of the message today because I believe what he was saying, there's no way that I could relate to you what he was feeling in the writing process, but to have him here telling you what was in his heart and what was going through. I thought it was a little bit more impactful than me just trying to relay it. So I hope that gives you guys an impression of where we're going today. Um, now, about a year and a half ago, we were in a series called Me, Myself, and Why. We're currently in a series called Songs of Summer. We're releasing these songs. But last year, uh, we did a series about the Enneagram. And if you guys have ever, raise your hand if you guys have done that before. Okay, so for those of you who understand what that is, it's, it's basically like it's an upscale personality type thing. It's very interesting if you dive into it. But I found myself, they do it a scale from one to nine, I found myself being a nine on the Enneagram. And if you know anything about that, like right now, I'm, I'm kind of sensing what you guys are all feeling in this room right now. It's like, that's, that's one of the traits as a nine, right? But the bad side about it is, is that nines are uh, known to be completely indecisive. And if you've ever been to the grocery store and you've been there for over an hour or so and you've driven by the cereal aisle with your cart and then an hour later you drive by the cereal aisle again, I am the guy standing there staring at all the boxes of cereal, weighing out the pros and cons. Do I want sugar-free? Do I want gluten-free? Is the texture good? Is the flavor long? Like, like this is the, my, my dilemma when I go into even a shopping, shopping mall and I'm trying to find clothes. My wife has to do my shopping for me. She's like, forget it. I'm done. I'm just going to go shopping for you and you're going to wear what I pick out or we'll return it. Because what would happen is I would go into a store and I'd go down the aisles, up and down. I knew what I wanted to get, but I didn't want to come to the point of buying it. Does that make sense? Like I would find a t-shirt I really like and it would be $14 and in my mind it'd be like, what else could I do with $14? <laughs> and then I would stand outside the store waiting for her as she's just on like the first rack and like going through the things. And indecision for me has been one of the hardest things, and I think it's not just me, I'm sure we've all struggled with indecision at some point, point. this is kind of the topic I want to revolve around 
today is because as you just watched Sam, who's our worship leader from Lloyd Minister, is that he went through a season, and you can kind of tell in the song when we listen to it later, is that there was like, God, I believe that you're there. God, I know you're the God of miracles. You're the God of my circumstances. And on the other half is like, this is the circumstance that I'm facing, and I don't see you working anywhere in this arena, God. Where are you? And so um, I wanted to talk on the topic of indecision because I think we live in this teeter-totter lifestyle where we know the goodness of God and his promises, but then when we don't see the evidence of it, we either take the controls away from God and think that we can better the direction ourselves or we just give up completely. Am I right? So that being said, <laughs> I wanted to start with this quote today. And when I read this quote, if I was reading it in the King James Bible, it shooketh me. Like it was, it was, I was like, oh my gosh, this quote. So let's start with this. It says, indecision is the enemy of progress. Not saying yes to one possibility is saying no to all of them. So if you're sitting in this room today and you're feeling, man, Tim, I get you. Like, I can't decide on anything. Like, I really hope this message is for you today. Maybe you're, you've come today and you've been having like a decision that's been on your mind for the last year and you haven't been able to, you know, solidly land on a final answer. I really hope today is going to shed some light into that. My question to you really is, though, have you ever been so indecisive that it's left you paralyzed in your faith? Where I don't know if God is for me or against me, and circumstantially it seems to be the, like the, the latter, but have you ever been in a point where you just look at God and you're like, God, I don't, I don't know what to do with you anymore. Like, I love you, and then sometimes I don't understand you. And the truth is, is that what's happening, I, ha I found this fascinating. So when I was battling with my indecision, I had to look what was going on with me chemically, you know, biologically, and so I went where every smart person goes, and I went to Google, and I'm like, what happens in indecision? And what really happens, I'm going to try and get scientific, and if you're a brain person in here and you know more about me, then please meet me on the patio and correct me. If I get anything wrong, I might. But what happens is that there is a transmission that is happening between your frontal cortex and your hippocampus. Your hippocampus is responsible for all your memories, and your frontal cortex is your, your reasoning, your emotions, and everything like that. And so when you're in a store and you can't make up your mind, what's happening is there's a transmission going from your hippocampus, giving you memories of the times that were good and times that were bad when you bought something like that before, and then your frontal cortex is like, you know, you have the money for it, you like it, and everything like that. It's, it's a back and forth thing. And some of us sit in that ditch too long. The problem with that is that indecision is the enemy of progress. And when we look at our faith, there's two ditches. And I think we go through problems for two main reasons in life. Number one is that we act without thinking. Number two is that we think too long without acting. So some of us procrastinate and some of us jump the gun. And that gets us into most of our problems. But when it comes to our faith, it's so necessary that that we either pick a left or like, like we, we just choose a lane and go with it because we will sit in the middle and not move when God is asking us to move. We'll paralyze ourselves and prolong our progress with where God wants to take us because we're scared to go left or to go right, not knowing what's on the other side of those decisions. So is this speaking to anybody today so far? I want to focus on the story of Daniel, because when I was trying to think of this message, I'm like, what can I biblically circle around this to give us like an outline of how to, how to deal with this? And what Daniel does, I want to use him as a foundational cornerstone, kind of like an idea is like, how do I keep my heart right and my mind right in a season of uncertainty when I can't figure out what to do? And in Daniel 1, verse 1 to 2, it says this, 
It was the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah when King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon declared war on Jerusalem and besieged the city. So Daniel was of princely lineage living in Jerusalem and was carried off to Babylon as a captive, as a slave at 15 years of age. Any 15-year-olds in here? Yeah, it doesn't sound too fun, right? You'd rather go to the movies. Okay. When Nebuchadnezzar besieged the city. And then in verses 3 to 5, it says, Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, I hope I said that right, his king, chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. So Daniel was now being put in a position where a new culture, new doctrines, new teachings were being forced upon him, and he's having to give up everything that he knew to be normal for an unfamiliar culture. Did we not experience that in the last year and a half? Come on, people. Everything that we knew was shaken. And to be open and vulnerable with you for just a moment is that I've never felt more obscure, more lost, more incomplete in the last year and a half than I have my entire life. The rules changed. Behaviors changed in society. And moments where I felt so comfortable where I could go up behind my buddy and give him a pat on the back, I don't even know how to behave around people anymore. Like, I don't know if I'm offending them by standing too close. I don't know if I can reach out my hand and shake their hand. And it's like, because somebody else was making all of the decisions for us, we didn't know how to behave anymore. Some of you right now are sitting in a chair too close to somebody behind you. And you're like, I don't know if I should, like, greeting time. That's the most awkward time of church, isn't it? Turn around to a stranger and tell them how glad you are to see them here. But we do it. No. Um, the rules change. And what I thought was a solid rock, guys, at some point felt like slippery, sinking sand underneath me. Everything that I found to be foundational and comfortable was just stripped away. In Daniel 1, verse 6 to 7, says, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen from all the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them, gave them a different name, a Babylonian name. Daniel was called Belshazzar. I said that right. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. And Azariah was called Abednego. Now, if you've been going to church for any amount of time, you know who these four gentlemen are. They face some pretty hot times. <laughs> 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 but look at this. Not only now are they forcing them to take on new doctrines, now they're being forced to change their names. The most precious thing about you to Babylonian names. And if you don't know anything about Babylon, it was the most... Like, they would melt gold and shape it into cows and worship these idols. Like, it was so far from what God had intended for his people. The complete opposite. And watch the progression of what happens here, because I think this happens to us as well. Not necessarily the exact same circumstances, but I'm going to explain this. Jerusalem to Babylon. Change of environment. Jew to Babylonian. So they were one culture, now being forced to be another culture. So that's a change of behavior. A captive to royalty, a change of identity. And apart from everything that they had tried to change about Daniel, he did not waver. However, when I look at this progression, it is a super slippery slope that some of us land on when we don't decide where we are in our faith. And I, can I get a personal? 
No? Yes. Good. I thought you were the rowdy crowd. Okay. If I'm going to get really serious about this, guys, is if we do this with church. Is if we got disgruntled, we get disgruntled with very, very small, insignificant issues in church. We change churches. We leave the environment only to go to another church and only to realize that we're now having to adjust our behaviors just to fit into this new location. And can I just, what God wants to do with you is so much more significant than you changing pace. He literally has you where you are for a reason. And when you plant your feet and you set your roots down in one place, that allows God to start constructing and building something in you. It's not comfortable. Anything new is it? So when you get to a place and God has you there for a reason, it's like taking a plant and transplanting it from pot to pot to pot to pot to pot. Eventually, it's not going to have the ability to grow roots or the strength to get down to a found, fundamental level where God can do anything with you. So when we were in our faith where it's like, oh, I like this, I don't like this, and, and, and we, make, we make church more about consumerism than it is relationship, then we end up jumping church to church to church, not really figuring out what God wants to do with them. We're like, oh, I give up on God. Come on. God wants to like, use you right where you are, no matter how long it takes. And I often wonder what God would have done in my own life if I had decided to let him steer for just a little bit longer before I changed course, before I jumped the gun, before I was like, I give up on you, God. I'm taking control of the reins now. Like, what, what God could have done if I just stayed planted for just a little bit longer? through my frustrations, through my anger, and through my disappointment. And Daniel 1.8 says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way, which sounds like a really simple decision, but honestly, he could have lost his life for this. Did they need Daniel? No. They had tons of slaves. But for Daniel to be bold enough and be like, I'm not going to defile myself with the king's food. He could have lost his life for it. This is what happens when you're so secure and you're so confident in what you believe in, is that it doesn't matter. You make bold decisions knowing that God's going to meet you on the other side of that decision. Doesn't that sound like, like, I want that. I need that so badly. I want to believe in something so bad that I'm not scared about the repercussions of what happens if I take my next step. Amen? Daniel had predetermined that environments can change, customs can change, and they can even change his name tag, but he was resolved it was not going to affect the word that God was building in him. And I love this quote. Uh, e. Stanley Jones, he was in 1938, considered one of the greatest missionaries the world had ever seen, apart from Jesus. And he says this, if you don't make up your mind, your unmade mind will unmake you. If you don't come to a place to resolve, eventually everything that you know to be true and everything that you know to be fundamental is going to just be, start being taken away bit by bit by bit by bit by bit until you live in a land of obscurity and you have no hopes, you have no dreams, no boldness to take what you want out of life. Slowly it starts to erode your passions, your initiative, and everything that God put in you to overcome obstacles in your life, that will start to be taken away the longer you stay in the ditch of, of, of obscurity and indecision. And the truth is most of us would rather stay in the dysfunction of indecision because it's comfortable, because we like the, the waves going back and forth, than we ever would knowing that God is going to meet us on the other side of a bold decision. 
We're so scared of the repercussions that we might make a wrong decision. But let me tell you this, is that I don't think we're powerful enough to derail the destiny that God has put inside of us, put God has put inside of you. You don't have that kind of power. However, because of the amazing God that he is and the free will he gives us, he does allow us to remain in indecision, which is going to paralyze and prolong our destiny. So because he loves you so much, he doesn't force anything on you. But if you want to remain in indecision, and that's totally your choice, then you will delay what God totally wants to do in your life. You hearing me, church? And, and now more than ever, this is not the time for the church to be indecisive, either personally or corporately. This is the time, like we had a season where all of our decisions were being made for us and we came along and we, we got in line, some of us anyways, and now we're in a season where our decisions have been given back to us. Let's not, let's not miss this opportunity living in indecision. Let's take this opportunity right now and decide we are going to be the church, we are going to be the hope in our communities, and we are going to be the hope in our families, <laughs> Period. And whatever it takes to do that, if it's a bold decision you have to make, then make it. But don't live your life sitting in the land of the unknown because you will miss opportunities. Indecision is the thief of opportunity, and it will, it will rob you blind. And you'll get to the end of your life, and you'll look back, you'll be like, what did I miss? What did I miss? Because I was so comfortable just going with the waves of the to and fro. Guys, too many people are doing this, and they're missing out on their destiny. We have a room full of people here that were purposed and positioned for this time, for this day. Let's be decisive about what we want. Let's be decisive that our God is the God above our circumstance. So we're not going to waver whether the government changes, whether the culture changes, whether the name on the building changes. Church, this is, the church is not the building. We are the church in the community. We are the people who come together to bring the hope to those who need the hope. Period. So when I talk about if you're in a season right now, and I'm going to speak to some people's positions very specifically, not naming names, but if you've been volunteering for some time and right now you've been on the fence about whether you want to keep volunteering or not, and you don't think the reward is worth like the time and the investment that you're, that you're putting in, let me, let me tell you this, right? Not all of us are going to see the rewards of the investments that we make right now. There are people that invested long, 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 long before any of us got here, and we're reaping the rewards. They may not be here, but we get to sit in the, in the, in the blessing of it. And the things that you care about the most in life, you're, gonna, you're going to sow, and you're not going to care who gets the benefit of it. You're doing it because you're looking towards the future of what's happening. Imagine with me, guys, what would it look like if we got more decisive? Focus, it will declutter your indecision and allow you to prioritize what matters. Let's get focus. Coming into a brand new season. God is doing something like he's brought us through for a reason. Focus is going to allow us to capitalize on what matters most. And imagine with me for a moment, what would the church look like, guys? If we resolve to be in unity, no matter how the environment changes or the government or anything else that we're not splitting over the coffee or the name or the logo or anything like that. Like we are unified in the fact that we want to see our, our city and our families changed forever. What would that look like? And if I can leave you with anything today, is do not plant, do not plant your dreams in the garden of indecision where only the weeds of what if grow. Do not put them there. And the truth is our God is big enough 
That whether it's a right decision or a wrong decision, he can meet you on the other end of it. He has a difficult time meeting you in your indecision. God of the impossible, but because of free will, if you want to remain indecisive, he's not going to force you. But if you make a bad decision, he's going to be there. If you make a good decision, he's going to be there. But don't be obscure about it. Now's not the time. He's brought you too far. There's too much on the line. Souls are at stake. Let's be decisive. Your takeaway today is this. Faithfulness without focus. Sorry, faithfulness is futile without focus. A lot of Fs. I get it. Faithfulness is futile without focus. I'm trying to make it like rememberable. But let's break it down. Faithfulness in your relationship. You're just spinning your wheels if you're not focused on that person and you're focused on a whole bunch of other people. Like, like let's get real about it. Faithfulness, our relationship with God, it demands our focus. God, I need you in this moment. Day after day, waking up, it's like, God, where are you in this? And bringing him into the situation and stop trying to take the controls ourselves and and steer life in the ways that we want to go, like, God's going to be there. So for those that are struggling, whether you you don't know which school to go to in September, maybe you don't know if the job that you're at right now is, is fruitful for you or not, make a decision. But the opportunity will be lost if you stay undecided. Either way, I think God's big enough he can handle it and get you back on course if needed. I love what Michelle did. She just made a decision. It's like, I don't, I, and, and honestly, she's in our online campus group. Love her. She's consistent, shows up every day. She's not a biblical scholar or anything like that. Didn't show up with credentials, but she's like, I've decided that this is the direction I'm going in my life. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for everything that you're doing in our lives. We ask you, Lord, whether we know you or we don't, God, help us be decisive. You've laid out the promise at the other end, God, and some of us may still feel like slaves trapped in our, in our own minds and our own thinking. God, help us walk through what you've opened up. God, give us the boldness and the courage to just make that step. And in a reassurance and a confidence that you're there waiting for us on the other side and that you have the ability, the power, the heart and the love to redirect us and correct us if needed. I thank you, God, for every person in this room who's been standing on the sidelines and watching the dance of life go on. Father, God, give us a boldness today and leave here with an assurance that whatever decision we make, that you're at the end of it. I pray for relief, God, for those who have just allowed time to slip by and too many opportunities missed. But God, if we're still breathing, you still need us, God. So I pray right now for purpose, meaning. You speak to those hearts, God, that need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you're here for the first time, I hope you're enjoying church. We have an amazing party afterwards, but the whole reason why we get here, lift our name, lift our God high, absolutely. But we also want to offer the opportunity for to start a relationship with God. 
And maybe you're sitting in here and you usually jump up when like the offering comes and you leave early. And you're like, I don't want to be bothered by that kind of stuff. Or maybe you've heard this prayer over and over and over again. That's okay. Maybe it's the person next to you that needs it. Or maybe you've come to a point in your walk with God where you're like, enough is enough. Enough wavering, enough shifting, enough moving around. God, I just need you to work in me where I'm at right now. And if that's you today, I want to say a prayer with you because there's nothing more that God wants than to meet you here in this moment. No more time wasted. The purpose has never changed. Your dream, the destiny hasn't changed, but we may have prolonged it. Let's stop the prolonging. So if that's you, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Repeat after me. And say, Heavenly Father, I thank you. You've never given up on me. You've met me. At the end of the road of every decision I've made. And I ask you right now to come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I'm deciding to start a relationship with you. I thank you that my past is past and that I could begin a new life, a new start with you today. In Jesus' name, amen. With respect for everybody in this room, if you could keep your heads down and your eyes closed for just for this moment. If there's anybody in this room today that has made the decision to say, I am deciding today, this is where it starts. No more waiting. I want a relationship with Jesus. Just gonna look around. So good. Let's give a round of applause for those who made that decision, whether they raised their hand or they didn't. Those who are online, if you made that decision, want you to click. I have decided. We would love to follow up with you guys. Biggest decision you'll ever make of your life. Thank you for joining us today on our My Victory podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, check us out at myvictory.ca. If you'd like to watch our live stream, go to victorylethbridge.tv.